book Treat Knowledge by um, uh, Fernando Flores, the Scientof Biology book. It's a, a biology book that I had to read about, for God, 30 years ago. Um, there's a concept called structural coupling. And structural coupling is what we now understand is the mirroring process in the brain. In order to understand other human beings, we create a visual image against a mirror of what we're seeing in the world. And we take that on like a suit and we experience it so we can create a full picture of the world happening outside of us. That's called structural coupling, okay? It's how you operate. So the people in your periphery, you're always structural coupling to a degree with because okay. you're interacting with them emotionally. And what I'm realizing is that the people, like especially my partner, my wife, I am structurally coupling with her every day. And if we're not on the same wavelength, it becomes very, very hard. Yeah. Okay. Because we're, and I am learning that. So I'm, I met Shannon seven years ago and um, I, we had an instant soulmate connection. It was so powerful. We got, uh, she asked me to marry her nine days after we met. It was just this dynamic relationship. And I think during that period, she took on, she was also in a very, very healthy place. And we took on these, uh, um, this kind of parallel experience of just, I'm going to fucking love you to the end of the earth. It was this epic period. I remember sharing that with you early. And uh, so that concept of structural coupling is, um, it affects me. And what I'm realizing now is I take on her dysfunction, just like she takes on my, that's the problem of structural coupling is you in engaging in relationship, you take on the energy of the other person. Mm -hmm. In order to experience the other person, you take on the energy of the other person. When you take on their energy, that's not, doesn't mean that they're actually losing their own energy, right? It's not like an energy transfer is it or is that part of the process? no it's the mirroring of the energy yes. I, I don't i don't know the answer to that question yet i'm if listening you, that's if a really a positive, good question. yeah if it's a positive thing which right. it should be then actually no it should be mirrored in fact it's almost like you're doubling your energy but in a way that's congruent not not i'm just taking one part of energy one part of energy making two parts of energy it's almost like still becoming one part of energy you're just actually bringing it together well do you remember the conversation i had it was either last week or the week before about positive positive I think so. Okay, so positive, positive is this concept that I'm developing. Uh, it, it just how do we rudimentarily understand relationship of energy? And if you have two people that are positive, interacting energetically, it's a very magnifying resonance. Of course. If you have two people that are negative, negative, they will descend into hell together. I mean, they're going to have the worst case scenario. It's like, oh my God, my life is so bad. Oh my God, my life is so awful too. You take on people's energy. What about positive, negative? Like if you think about- Those Gerald, tend to Zelda. be, you tend to go, yeah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in this. this. There's nothing here for me. There's a famous- If I'm positive, yeah. I'm positive and I meet someone who's negative, I don't want to hang around that energy. I don't want to reflect it. I don't want to mirror it. I don't want to feel it. Someone who's negative seeing a positive- I think there's an attractor there, 
maybe I don't because positive and negative they. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that is um, they created dissonance. Yeah, Sorry, my daughter ahead. Ari is um, reading a book by about Zelda uh, Fitzgerald, which yeah. um, was another author, and she hated um, Hemingway, um, who loved, of course, her husband F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he wrote, of course, The Great Gatsby. But he hung out with her and hung through all the pain and suffering. She was in an insane asylum, I guess, for a while. Holy crap. There's a series. Um, I don't know what station it's on, but um, Christina Ricci plays Zelda. And uh, there's a great uh, Woody Allen movie called Midnight in Paris that has this little snapshots of these guys. And um, she's definitely a mess. But in that particular case, he holds through and I think pulls her out. I think I think it ends up in a good good way. But in in general, I could see why that just as a, a terrible kind of unle unequally yoked is what the you know the, the Christian um, version of that would be, right? When somebody's positive, and somebody's right. negative, right? Yeah, yeah. Because well, I think we always think is belief. No, it's an energetic state of connectivity. Right. It's very hard to connect to someone who is the opposite energy. Of course. And so it, it's a simple way of breaking down uh, how relationships work of you, you're always seeking to attract the same type of energy you are. So that's why positive, negative or negative, positive, those don't connect because there's too much chaos there. And the goal of life is to find the positive, positive. Yes. That's the most powerful relationships. I think you and I have a very positive, positive relationship. 100% thinking off each other we're always thinking with each other and it's always elevating uh it's always more interesting because we are discover we're discoverers or like explorers as i used to say um we're curious together yes so um you know what let's get started i know we always do this i want to i was like recording what we uh say before we start so i'm including this one because i think this today is going to be one of my favorite conversations because this is like one of my best stories now um so welcome everybody this is uh, living in the matrix i'm jonathan say hi rich hey everybody this is rich and just so you know i got out of an ice bath about yeah. uh, 15 minutes ago so if i'm cognitively impaired um you'll know why but um i need it for healing cheers yeah. So today um, we're going to tackle what I think is a conversation that you and I have been essentially touching on through every episode, and that's the idea of manifesting. And today I want to dive deep into the waters. I'm calling this one, um, I, know, uh, I Know Kung Fu. Nice. I, I think that's the experience that manifesting is. It's this process of realizing I can uh, create now. I don't have to wait to learn seven years how to do something. I can create something in my life now through my energetic state. That's my summation. So if anybody out there has been manifesting like 700 years and sees it differently, that's totally okay. This is where I'm at today because that's what this show is about is our journey together and I think it is the ability to use our energetic state to create an outcome simply by thinking and feeling it in congruence. And um, so to kick off this podcast, I want to uh, share a story that happened to me. And a couple of days ago? Was, it on, was that Wednesday or Thursday? It was Thursday. Yep. Okay. So um, 
my process of manifesting started about six months ago. I walk my dog. I record my reels for Instagram. Super fun time. It was simply just to practice putting my thoughts visually onto a medium. That's all I wanted to do. And talk about love, the journey of what it means to love. And I began contemplating the idea of if I am loved by God, am I love? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe I am love. And that put me in a place of, wow, I really don't have to worry about all the shit I worry about. And I kind of just let go of all the survival instincts that I had been holding on to. Last year was a coming out of survival mode for my divorce. Like I finally came out of it. And um, so I started seeing all this blossoming of joy in my life. Like if you watch my reels, they're just all about joy, really. They're just about enjoying life. And that's all I was doing. And I realized on my walks, I am proactively creating thoughts in my mind about how good life is mm -hmm. by practicing gratitude. And that's why I think gratitude is so powerful is because it's the practice of actually um, creating imaginative thoughts in your brain about your future. Mm. And I think that's really what manifesting is. <clears throat> and when we do that, when we create a space for that future to exist in our lives, we can the, the universe, which is we're connected to, I am right. love, so I'm part of the universe, will go about creating that in my experience. Yes. And right. it should be relatively effortless. To be thankful yes. is something that should be relatively effortless. You don't have to think much about it. You don't have to like tweak your brain. Yes. And I think the universe wants us to do things that are effortless as well, that yeah, more and more people doing it, and we can recapitulate it again and again and again. Okay, I'm going to take a small tangent because I loved what you just said. And the goal out of life is to remove the impedance in the system. Mm -hmm. So when we remove that impedance in the system, we're always living a very positive experience, even in the negative times, because we've we're open to what's happening, but we can also create it. We can also direct it. We can direct it. I don't know if directing is the right word. I'm trying to listen to the distinctions of, of it right now. Um, because I think there's a dance between me creating it and then me discovering it that feels like it's coming from the other way. Jonathan, you just nailed it. Neo is not creating in the scene when he is finally gonna stand up to Agent Smith in the subway. Mm -hmm. He learns slowly and gets better. He dodges bullets and he's adapting. Yeah. He's adapting, but mm -hmm. he's not creating. And then he said, you know what? I can actually probably- well, take He's in a back. dance with the world. It is. It's a dance. The, whatever it is. Absolutely the right. The matrix. And, and so there he is in the subway and he's adapting and he's getting beat up though. It's slow. He's slowly sliding and getting- Which one is that? Revolutions? This is in the first- No, in the first- oh, the matrix. first one. Okay. And don't forget they're smashing each other. They're doing- all Oh, yes, yes. Food. And then you, you watch this in brr, 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 yes. where they're looking at him on the, on the Nebuchadnezzar and they're seeing he's getting his ass handed to him. He goes running and then he stops. He turns around, he looks and he creates and he creates a reality that says yes. those bullets yes. 
are, I'm not going to dodge the bullets. I'm going to stop the bullets. That's not adaptation. That's creation. Think about that. Yes. Boom. Drops the bullets. And then he does something completely crazy. <laughs> he, he watches Smith come into him and he actually takes Smith. Oh, he actually dives into Smith, takes him on and blows him to smithereens. Now, of course, he creates another problem. But at the same time, what he did there was he, he went off in a completely different scenario. It wasn't adaptation. It was absolute creation. Okay, so I want to share with you, this is another tangent. We're going to get back to my story at some point. We will. We always do this and I love it, but this is important. I'm reading a book right now called How to Own Your Own Mind by Napoleon Hill. Oh, great. It's 50 years old and it's Napoleon Hill was Dale Carnegie's documenter. He's the guy who took everything Dale Carnegie did and he put it into books, Okay. And in it, he talks about three kinds. He actually talks about two kinds of imagination. You have your synthetic imagination, which is where you take two existing ideas and you create something out of those two ideas. So it's more like a merge. Okay. Okay. And then the second type of imagination is where you're creating something essentially out of thin air. Mm -hmm. That's what Neo is doing. And I want to suggest a third type of creativity. And that is what most people do. Most people, I don't think, are synthetic imaginatives. Like they, and, and they're not creating like Neo was. We live in this space of what do we do typically in response to the world? And the most common imagination, or it's not really imagination, I think it's just a computer response, is I do what I've always known. That's the, that's the most stuck space. Because mm-hmm. you're operating out of pure ego there of the computer system to say, the only thing that I can trust is w- exactly what I've known. I can never try new possibilities. Yes. And I think that's the stuck line for most people is most people live in a world. I did. I lived this way for a long time where my brain can only process what I've known. That's all I can trust. Neo had to trust outside of himself that something existed that he didn't know And that was the only way we can experience gratitude is by taking the risk to experience the new. I like it. And of course, the people that are stuck are the the ones um, making batteries of themselves in um, the actual construct of the machine. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Here's the other side. So many of my friends. So in this journey, I'm going to go back to the journey real quick. As I started doing this, my energetic levels have massively increased. We talked about this. Yes. I have more energy than I know what to do with. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I and Pass I digitally through the, uh, the Zoom call, would you? Right here. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> but you know, I have learned. I can project it. I have learned that I can project my energy. I can change the temperament of the room yep. very quickly. When I bring my energy and I just share it, Matt, just freely share that energy the energy in the room rises dramatically yes. okay um i shared this with sean who's going to be our guest next week he is uh, in 90 percent, and i met he's one of my old longtime friends and i shared that i said watch what happens and i did it with them and they go oh my gosh you can feel it like you can just feel someone else's energy and that's the power of what neo did And that's the power of manifesting, but manifesting requires faith because you're taking on the new and your body doesn't trust it. 
Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to get your body into a place where you are in control rather than your body is in control. And I think that's the switch that Neo does is he switches to, oh, my body tells me all this stuff. It's in control. I listen to my body. Whereas at that moment in the, in the subway st- station, he decides he's in control and then he creates, oh my God. I can slow time if I want to, if I really want to, but it takes risk. So I uh, started practicing um, it's probably about three or four months ago. I really felt like my life t- took a huge turn in, from December to January. It was a new season, like one of those massive sections of a book it's not even it wasn't even a chapter it was a brand new section of my book you're saying december 2022 to january of 2023 just okay good that's when i felt like i it was kind of a final nail in the coffin of letting go of all my trauma for my divorce Mm -hmm. and coming to terms that damn i need to step out of survival mode and i need to start giving myself permission to thrive like i started learning dr dispense's ideas that everything you say scripts your body Mm -hmm. so you create your operating system every day by what you tell yourself and as i started listening to that i'm like holy shit i have a lot of negative language in my daily practices and i am so completely unaware i started observing my own thoughts of how i started talking to myself and i'm like holy shit i like i would even joke i suck right and i stopped doing that good no, I said that all of us that. have said it a lot. And, and oh my we, God, yes. It's yeah. so easy to do because it's yes. automatic. It's our humor system. Most yep. of our humor is stored trauma and it's and it comes in waves and it's just you're used to it. Yes. And it's teasing yourself, like, oh, I suck. No, I don't. I even self-correct myself. If I say it by accident, I'm like, no, I don't. I consciously put that into my memory because I believe our body, and this is the conversation I think we talked about last week. I think you can rewrite the script in the ego. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe salvation is. Salvation is when we finally come to terms that we are loved, we can begin rewriting the script of the ego that allows the ego go back to doing what it's really good at, which is protecting us, but not being in control. The ego mm-hmm. doesn't work well when it's in control. So no. you take a back in, January, in January, I woke up one morning and my bed is right next to my uh, sliding glass door out of the deck on the upstairs and i can see sunrise every morning if i wake up at that time and i usually my body sometimes just wakes up at sunrise it's really interesting um and i woke up one day and i said i'm gonna have the best fucking day today this is in january this is in january no i'm sorry i i started saying Today is going to be a really good day. I just started at that junior level. I was like, yep. it's just going to be a good day. Good. And I didn't even think about it. But I kept, I am now in this long journey of practicing, especially for my Instagram reels, of just being positive, sharing love. So I had been kind of in that state, but now it kind of kicked into high gear that I started being open and honest. When I put my videos on Instagram, it allowed me to kind of cement into my own body. This is what I really do believe. I do believe that I am loved. I do believe that life is meant to be good. And I started seeing this very dramatic energetic shift. And then as I 
And then the next morning I woke up and I did it again. And then I did it again. And then all of a sudden I've been doing it now for about 30 days. And I think I'm in about probably my May, what a, like five months of doing this. Every day I wake up, I tell myself it's going to be a freaking awesome day. So Thursday morning, I wake up and I um, am going into work. I work remote and I'm going into San Francisco to uh, work with my boss who had flown out from Chicago. And my team was going to be there and we were going to have this day where we're going to work on what is considered the biggest problem in our software product. I'm in a product designer at a technology company called Streamsets. And I woke up, I mean, sorry, I uh, get to the office and it's just a very good day. Like the vibe in the office is people are pouring in and it really reminded me of how much I miss working in the office with people when it's, when it's really creative and proactive. And the whole morning was just about working and easing into the office, talking to people, getting to say hi. And so it was this like all these people that I hadn't seen in forever. And it was just the whole day was setting the tone. And I'm like, man, I love the people that I work with. I just recognize I love the people that I work with. And so I started projecting that onto people just all day long. Like, man, I love working with you. I would walk wow. up to people going, I just want you to know, I have enjoyed working with you. And then I started projecting love onto people. Okay. And everybody's like, man. And so the vibe in the office is this like, wow, we all love each other. Like everybody was started doing it to each other. Yes. It was the, it was the coolest and weirdest Contagious thing. Contagious in a good way. In a really positive way. Okay. And then I meet my boss for, uh, we all have lunch together and then um, the we just got acquired. So Software AG is our parent company. They were in town to present the next day. So I got to meet the COO who's going to be running our division. And he was he paid me a compliment. And so each moment just keeps getting better. And then after lunch, we sit down with my boss and we start whiteboarding. And this is my superpower. In life, I love this process of true product design when you're whiteboarding. You're really starting from scratch. There's a blank canvas. And my boss trusted me to do this. This is the number one problem in the entire company for stream sets. It's called CICD, it's a computer development process of how you elevate features to or pipelines to completion. Okay. And the, uh, so we started whiteboarding and he's all of a sudden started getting really giddy. He's like, man, I'm just having the funnest day. This, I love this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. And we started keying off of each other. And we started the meeting by documenting and showing. So I have a research team that works for me and we do a lot of research to validate product discovery. And in doing that, we had all this data that we had to turn through. And we put all these on the board going, okay, we need this, 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 this is what the field tells us. And then we started designing. And as we walked through all of these things, we came up with a solution that the end of the process, we were like, holy shit, this is going to change the market. Wow. Because it wasn't just our company that has this problem. Every product competitor in the market has this problem. 
Okay. And we were going after it. And he and I, I'm not saying we solved it, but we created some really good shit. We did. And I stepped back and I'm like, God, I love my job. Mm. And it's that moment that I realized this is the best day of my career. I love it. Okay. So here's the reality. Let's step back for a second and kind of just listen to this. How much did that day become affected by what I said to myself that morning? That's the question of manifesting. When it actually happens, it's weird. Did you create it or did you not? Did it just happen to you? That's the question I'm in. Well, I, th- I think that you've already shared a podcast of a gal who's talking about manifestation as if something, that, you know, when you're manifesting, don't expect it to happen just the next day or three or four. Like we don't wake up and say, I'm going to manifest winning the lottery and then you win it. What ends up happening is you manifest things for eight months to a year. And then all of a sudden you get the biggest deal of your life and who cares about the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. So in your particular case, I think your iterative effects of manifesting every day, talking about that it just builds up. So I'm, I'm taking transcendental meditation now. And I watched a subreddit about a guy who's been doing this for 30 years and he's getting better and better and better and deeper. And you watch David Lynch and Clint Eastwood and they've been doing it. And it just has this cumulative snowball effect of not only helping you with your own creativity, but it actually expands to others around you. And that's exactly what we're talking about, right? How do we be the best version of ourselves in mm-hmm. ways that actually um, are consistent effortless and, 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 and contagious in a really, really good way. Right. That's what it comes down to. And I think you saw a snapshot of what like an ultimate manifestation could look like, or a very high level manifestation instead of those little iterative things. And I think that's where we're trying to go for. So what have you done? Cause you and I talk about, I don't want to, I don't want to share any of your stories. I want you to share your stories. You're you've been practicing too. What have you experienced? So for me, um, because I've, I'm a little bit further back on the journey, right? So I, you know, I, I still think ontologically God is God and I'm not. Um, I, I still believe that God wants I us don't to think be- that stops you from manifesting, though. No, I don't think it does either. And, and, and transcendental meditation, I, I don't know if we talked about this in the past, but, you know, old evangelical ranks would have been totally negative. But I, I love Jesus and I could pray to Jesus right. every day, right? Um, even right. while I'm also spending 20 minutes on the morning and the afternoon focusing on a mantra and focusing on just relaxing and getting to that place of pure consciousness. So the whole idea of transcendental meditation is it's supposed to be. Yeah, why don't you unpack that a little bit so our listeners know about it? Because you now know quite a bit about it. Well, I've only been doing it for a week, but the beauty of it is it's very easy and you see the results immediately. So, I mean, what I'm going to tell you first is what I've seen. Within just a matter of days, I met somebody um, who actually knows Keanu Reeves. And who actually does some work with Keanu Reeves? Okay, so we. I didn't know if you wanted to share this story. I did, but that's I think all you should. I think nobody nobody knows anything else, right? So uh, understand right. that um, we've been doing this Matrix podcast for now on our eighth iteration, and so this was all happening in the past. And I even used a Matrix construct at a recent presentation two or three weeks prior. So that happened. But, but what I, I've noticed immediately things at work where I've got deals that were dead in December that now wanted to come back and talk to me. I, I'm seeing deals that said Q4, 
but we're moving them on a faster path to get started in Q3 so that in Q4, they can have a proof of concept, which then can end up being bigger in Q4. And I can see that take place. Right. I'm watching my You're son. You're using your imagination. Absolutely. And just meditating. So, so let's talk yeah. about the meditation. Good. Transcendental meditation differs from all the other kinds of things you might see with, um, you know, let's say 10% happier. It's different than just focusing on breathing. It's an actual practice that started with the Maharishi who ended up teaching the Beatles how to do it back in the um, sixties. Okay. He's been around for a long time since the 55, I believe where he's been practicing it. And then over the course of the last, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you've got the likes of uh, Seinfeld, David Lynch, Clint Eastwood, Moby, mm -hmm. you know, Ben, you know, Ben Harper, you've got, you know, Sheryl Crow, you've got all these people, a lot of creatives, believe it or not, a lot of artists and actors who really love this because it's so easy and they have a lot of stress on their lives. So the whole point, the premise at, at, at its face value is how do you get to yourself to a place where you can reduce stress in your life, reduce um, confusion and pain and, and help your heart do well. So guess what? Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the largest, most um, well-known hospitals in the country, 77,000 employees even recommends it. The DOD recommends it. One of the <laughs> oldest military schools that invented ROTC, they do it. So when I started doing research, I'm like, okay, this is totally legit, right? This isn't right. some new age, weird stuff that actually- 30 years ago, we could have said that. We can't say that anymore. I think that's Legitimately, fair. you cannot debunk it anymore. It has definite healing effects. That's right. And, and so, you know, the whole point is you're given this mantra and it's effortless. And minutes within saying this mantra, you start to feel your body relax and you get to a place where- you, all you have to do is focus on just relaxing and you don't have to do anything else. And so you and your manifestation in this particular TM, one of the reasons why I kind of dove more into TM is when Sean Clayton and you and I were talking about going back to the source, right? Mm -hmm. How do the pendulum swings yep. and I'm having things on a negative pendulum swing. How do I go back to the source, tap into what we call un, pure unbridled, you know, consciousness, right? Which mm -hmm. We also call is this, I mean, by the way, let's talk about the science. In, in physics, you've got the quantum mechanics study of field, you've got quantum field theory. And then now what they've discovered in the last 30 years is something called the unified field, yes. which is literally pure consciousness. And so we're not talking something that is, you know, uh, you know, magic. It's something that's actually reality. I mean, it feels like they're magic. discovering how the spirit world that the subatomic level is really where it's at. At the subatomic level, you are pure energy. That's right. Unified field theory is there's no disconnectivity between all of matter and energy. Correct. Right. I mean, Einstein's theory connected. of relativity proves that energy right. and matter are the same thing with a couple other little tweaks in there. Let right? me say one thing. That's why I believe I am God. And right. I don't say that callously. I really oh. don't. I don't oh. say that callously. I don't because I grew up Christian. So I understand what I'm saying when I say that. I say that because at a purely scientific level, there is no separation from God to us. So God is essentially sent Jesus to tell us exactly the same thing. You are God because there is no separation. Right. But it's hard when for essentially six oh. or 7,000 years of written history, we've kind of said we're not. Yeah. And, and you're right, though. I mean, if we, if that's we why Jesus, at, I was thinking about this this morning. That's why Jesus needed to be born of a virgin is because he needed the DNA to show us what life is like on the other side. It wasn't that he was special or separated. It was that that's what the D when you don't have a um, a default mode network that is broken from thousands of years. This is what life looks like. He wasn't extra special. He just 
biologically didn't have the dissonance in his body. He was tapped into the source in a way that right. not very many other people have right. been in, in creation. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the book of Hebrews says that he suffered like we suffer so that we can empathize with him. We can actually say, no, this is a person who's right. just transcendent God, but he's an imminent um, manifestation of God. Right. But at the same time, I, I think we do see a lot of passages. This is important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he definitely was fearful, right? Uh, in Gethsemane, right? He is sweating bullets of blood, right? He is. I think that ask, was asking the cup to pass him by, right? Love cannot imagine death. That's why I think he was sweating bullets. Love cannot imagine death. That's why suffering was hard. Is yeah. At the end point, his whole purpose. Like the thing that love called him to is to be the perfect example of love. And how do you do that? You die for someone. Absolutely. Yeah. And then again, there's things like, um, you know, he, you know, if he was truly, you know, the Bible doesn't make any um, qualms about this. You know, somebody touches his, his hem and he said, who, who touched me? Right. Who touched That's me? Unified field theory. Is that a God concept? What do you mean? Who touched me? You're God. Right. Right? Of course, right. you know, who touched you. And when you, when even, even God says, you know, where are you? Like, what are you doing? He even asks questions and there's this back and forth, right? You'll see in, in the book of Exodus, where, <laughs> um, you know, Moses is complaining about the Israelites who just started worshiping the golden calf. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to take them out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take them out. And, and Moses is like, God, wait a minute. Stop, dude. You just let out us out, out of Egypt. They're going to laugh at you if you actually take them out right now after you just did all that. And God's like, okay, you're, you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to take them out. And of course, in, in a traditional, you know, let's say Calvinistic way, we call that condescension or anthropomorph anthropomorphizing. They're saying, well, God, of course, he knew what was going to happen. He's just kind of working with us in our own humanity. And, and, and Greg Boyd would say, of course not. No, Greg, um, Greg Boyd's saying, no, that's literally, he's literally saying, okay, you're right. That's a bad idea. And God is wrestling with, with, with Moses. And, the, and, and a lot of the rabbis like this too, right? And so the beautiful of the rabbinic tradition is, you know, two rabbis are arguing for 15 years about something and God wants to intervene and they go, hey, who are you to tell us what's going on? We've got, we got this going on. That Rob Bell uses this in, in one of his um, books. Going back, um, when, when even, when, when they're asking when the kingdom is coming, Jesus says, I don't know, only the father knows, right? And so even at that level, there's so many iterations of like, hey guys, we could be just like Jesus in so many ways because there are so many hints that shows that he, he, he's got, you know, he doesn't have the entire thing right in front of him. I mean, it's literally right there, right? Anyway, it's kind of refreshing. Well, no, I think that's the, uh, I wanna go back actually, Talk about transcendental. Why was it valuable to you so far? Because you really have, in our conversations, we probably talked all week. You're loving it. Why do you love it? Well, we can talk about it. Maybe we can even dedicate an entire section, uh, entire heck, heck podcast yeah, to TM, right? But for me, again, um, it was the conversations I had when I first started doing this, just when I come out of it and, and just trying to be positive. I, I went for a hike the other day and, and, and it wasn't like you being at your job. And so your choice was to try and get to a positive state, right? Absolutely. Right. It, how do I, well, tap into the source, right? Sean Clayton mm -hmm. talks about tapping. Into the source. How do I become more loving? How do I use my heart more instead of just my head? How do I, um, you know, have better conversations? How do I, how, how can I become more productive? How can I, you know, affect things in a positive way? So, I mean, I was hiking, you know, at, at, you know, this wonderful place up in the hills and just, I was, 
I was projecting happiness and everybody was like smiling. And of course, people in Ventura with a beautiful day are smiling anyway, but it just, I felt the energy levels were really strong. So I've been liking it because A, it's effortless and B, okay. you, you want to do it. Imagine this, imagine wanting that 20 minutes and you're going to set aside everything to do it. Not like a drug, but like something that you're tapping into that's really important. That's going to help you and your, in your old family. And then watching my, my friend get that massive commission check, watching my son just recently get this job and just manifesting, willing him to be successful. And he's going to start killing it with this new job of his all these things what do you are mean by that manifesting the job. So, you know, um, you know, he's also manifesting too, right? He, he right. We, we bounce ideas off of each other. And so he's got this contagious um, energy at work. He right. left his last job. He's not this new job, but he's finding, unfortunately, that even though the management is much better than the last job, the right. people are still suffering. So when you're actually there and somebody that you're relying on is supposed to help you, calls in sick three times with an anxiety attack and you've got people who are supposed to support this i mean you're a restaurant and a bar and if you don't have all the people working it's miserable right if you're short staff right there's no amount of manifestation can actually if if, if there's supposed to be five people working and there's only two that's hell right mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a total reality so okay. he's been exploring another route where he can be more professional and he can work for a staffing organization that actually makes a lot more money, is a lot more professional, offers real benefits, and has a foundational way to make him even feel better. He had a first interview. His friend referred him in, said the best things about him. In my conversations with him, talking about talent acquisition, working for LinkedIn, uh-huh. he already had the, the speak down. So couple, take his energy take a little bit of coaching and a little bit of conversations we've had. He crushed it yesterday. He calls me immediately. He got the job. We're going to oh, go, wow. you know, Oh yeah. He's got the job. So, I mean, that's awesome. So it was just an exciting, you know, it's been an exciting week, Jonathan. Okay. You know, what's funny is this is what I think I learned on Thursday is it's super important to stop and be grateful. Here's why. Because when we stop and become grateful, it creates the consciousness of the habit that is necessary to keep enjoying it. Absolutely. That's what I'm learning is I woke up and it was, it's not hard to wake up. And you, Mel Robbins taught me this. So I got to give her full credit. The first moment you wake up, it's going to be a fucking awesome day. What's the harm? Yeah. There's, no, there's no harm on it. No. But what happens if it actually starts getting really good? What do you do? You got to stop and pause so that I become conscious of it. And if I'm not in control, if I'm not becoming aware of my own life, I'm going to miss it. The more you are connected to the source, the faster you think, the faster you're grateful. That's what I've also noticed. I've, I've been down this path before where, you know, it's like it's been a day or two and I'm like, wait a minute, I just crushed that deal. And I didn't even have any gratitude in my heart for that. I need to, I need to do that. And that's, that's called, you know, I, I would call that grace coming back to helping you out. And that. Yes. so this morning in the, in the, in the ice bath, I was, I was actually, even though you're cognitively impaired when you're doing a cold plunge, I felt gratitude in my heart. Now, going back to you in the light, we've been talking about um, Andrew Huberman. You've got <laughs> to start looking at that sun. Get that a up a little way. bit. Cause that's, yeah, let that light get let that light get into your eyes, man. Because we need that light in our body. So get grounded, light, and and look at that sun, 
not directly, but you know, that's where your that's where your gratitude comes in. You're you're, you're yes. feeling the warmth and the love of the sun come yeah. through, and at the same time, you're also being grateful and you're getting your day kickstarted. And it's energy. It's you're, you're helping your circadian rhythm. It's physiological and it's spiritual, man. I had a thought about two months ago that when I walk my dog, I'm really energetic when I walk my dog because I'm in a alone space. My dog's not really distracting me that much. Right. And I realized, damn, I'm looking at my phone. That's so for those who don't know, we're watching Rich and I were talking about a podcast with a, a gentleman named Dr. Cruz, who was semi interviewing uh, Dr. Huberman, who is I think a Rick Rubin too. Yeah. And Rick Rubin. It's Rick Rubin's podcast, Tetragrammaton. By the way, do you know what the Tetragrammaton is? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it refers to? Oh, that's the Yahweh. Absolutely. Y H W H. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's the technical is it the Greek name tetragamaton. Is that oh, that's definitely Greek? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so tetrarch is tetragamaton. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that and I thought it was really cool. Rick Rubin's book, by the way, is phenomenal. What's the book called? Uh, shoot. Um, by the way, Jonathan, him, Rubin, and 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 Huberman are just the most awesome, you know, even keeled guys, and you could just tell they were very humble. And uh, unfortunately, Dr. Cruz was was just yes. the ego, you know, was just blasting through. So uh, Rick Rubin's book is called The Creative Act. And if you can listen to it on Audible, he speaks it. It's freaking phenomenal. It's one of the best books on, I think, essentially what is manifesting. I'm really glad you brought that up because Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act, is talking about how you open your body physiologically to the act of imagination. I love it. And you actually essentially just have to practice getting out of the way. Uh, and I think what, what you're getting out of the way, what, like, what am I doing on my walks or in my life that is about getting out of the way? Because I thought that's the dance you and I talked about at the very beginning. There's a dance between push and pull of controlling and letting go, yes. which is the waveform. The waveform is an up and down process, a consistent. So how much is letting go and how much is creating? Yes. What I'm realizing is, is that my intuition uh, during my walks is when I feel like I am actually tapping into pure imagination. Uh, most of my book was written out of pure imagination because I feel like it's happening to me. The yeah. imagination, just the thought just pops in there. Do you have a voice recording you when you're on these walks? Do you have thoughts that you you are manifesting and that, that 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 creation is coming, but you forget them later on, or do you always remember what you've been thinking about? I mean, I I would need something. I think to, I I, I regret so many times having an, a spontaneous idea that could be amazing, and then you just it just goes away, right? Well, you that's why I got into the practice. Uh, so my pra I thought about this. Um, my practice on my walks started when I started my divorce mm. and every night I would bring my phone and my headphones and I would write down these thoughts. Yes. So I have been practicing journaling on my phone for gosh, now it's 10 years. And so, but the, here's the thing. The, the worst one is when you go, Oh my God, that's the very best thought I've ever had. And then you forget it in one second because <laughs> I want to write it down. Oh, uh, it'll come again. Yep. That pure imagination sometimes doesn't like to be captured. Fair enough. It likes to it likes to create resonance in our body because it feels so freaking amazingly good. Wow, this is huge because it's two things going on. It's it's actually it's like the it's like the double slit experiment where it's when it's being observed, it actually changes. 
and when it if it's not observed, it's 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 a different kind of thing. And I think that what you're saying is, if you don't try to capture it, it actually when you free it, like mm-hmm. it, it becomes more powerful, and it actually becomes a part of you as opposed to some extant thing in the air, some yes. extant idea. Instead of being part of you, who you are, it, it's just sitting and it's and it's yeah, I like it. So I have a new practice that I started in May, and I'm actually. Um, May is doing opposite month. So anytime a really creative imagine, I've stopped really trying to capture the images. That's, that's something that I'm letting go of. I realized why am I, why have I been cataloging all of these images? It's because I believe I was traumatized by my divorce. Of course. Uh, my, My divorce was my process of recreating my worst trauma in my life again in the life of my children. And I realized I journaled because I needed to create really good memories to counterweight the bad shit in my life. I was so toxified in my heart that I needed to, so I would walk. And so May is about going back over these last 10 years of notes and beginning to let go of shit. Mm. Oh, I remember what that felt like. I'm okay now. It's I can let it go. So I realized my journal on my phone, I have over 1200 notes on my phone. So I have a lot of work to do. But it's a process that allows me to go over myself and let that shit go. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm going, I'm starting at night and I am, I didn't get to do it last night, but I'm going back and I'm going to start at the bottom and go up to the top and start letting a lot of the pain that I went through go. And I want to see what happens. So I'll report be, back on that. I think it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. How, so tell me, do you think you can get to transcendental meditation in the ice bath? So, um, or is it so overwhelming that you are just in survival mode. So I think you could, absolutely. Um, I mean, the- How long were you You can get into a place where, I mean, the, the beauty of transcendental meditation is you don't, actually don't actually have headsets on. So one of the things that I was doing when I was you know, doing other meditation is that you've got something in, somebody's leading you, guiding you. Mm-hmm. There's another version called One Giant Mind, which I tried, but it, it just, it wasn't the same. And you've got some, non-verbal music you got music in the background what's crazy about this is um there's a sense of both calm and alertness right you you can feel your head get to a place where it's going deeper but at the same time you're aware of birds chirping and maybe dogs even barking but they're not distracting to you so i want you to be aware of the idea that it's a weird kind of balance um i i think um, you're only supposed to do TM twice a day, 20 minutes a day, and then you have to give yourself three out, three minutes to kind of get out of it. You want to very be very really? slow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because if you come out of it too fast, it's like waking up. Um, imagine like getting woken up in the middle of the night by your dogs screaming and barking yeah. at something like out front. You're like, did you, you're, you're Are you in a fog? Scared. Yeah, you can be in a fog. Um, you can also be upset and grouchy. It's like, oh my God, I was in the middle of a great sleep and I was just okay. woken out of my slumber. So that's what's going on. So there is something truly physiological happening, even though it's also going down deep and my pulse is always low. So the question I would probably have for myself is, would I be able to do that? I think because my body's in fight mode, 
right? You want to be relaxed. You don't want to have um, any coffee in you. You definitely don't want to have um, a full stomach. You do want to have a little bit of food. You don't want to be like it's famished. So th these things take place. Um, and I think the problem with doing it in the ice bath would be such that your body's fighting off so much that you'd have a hard time doing what you need to do, but it's worth a try. I, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. And, I, and, and certainly um, nobody's uh, at TM's precluding you from saying great kind of quiet thoughts, you know, throughout the day, right? You're just, you're not focusing on the mantra and the meditation. You're also, you can do breath work throughout the day that gives you kind of quietness and, and, and fineness too. So that's what I was doing in, in the, in the ice bath this morning. I'd already done my meditation this morning. And what I basically did was I was just doing some deep breath works, a lot of gratitude, lots of thankfulness. I was singing out the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, self-control, right? That's a huge part of it, right? How That's do I not lose it? How do I not lose it when my dog does another stupid thing? And, you know, I've gotten a little bit better. He he pooped and he, he peed yesterday. And I just, you know, I object, you know, very I like, hey, buddy here's that poop here here's your nose i want you to smell that and i want you to know that's bad right as opposed to just going losing it and flying off the handle right did you crate train him um we we did for a little while yeah and he got better i mean I, something's going you may on you want to go back to it for a little bit we might want to because he's been good for for months right we talked about this so something else is going on when lisa leaves for she was gone for four days that's part of it too, because that that's her little baby. Uh, and so I, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know if it's vindictiveness sometimes, but he knows better, right? Yeah. Do you, how long does it take you to get out of panic state in an ice bath? Oh, I, there's no panic state anymore. Oh, really? You got over it? Oh yeah. No, um, I, I, you, that, that, that only takes four or five times. Okay. Four you, or five times. That's a lot of time, man. No, meaning like you hop in, right? The first time you get into an ice yeah. bath, you know, now again, there's a difference between 38 degrees um, Fahrenheit and 42 and 48 and 51, right? So I noticed the difference. I've gone in at 35 degrees and I, I didn't have a panic attack. I just dumped in there, but you can just feel it on your joints and your bones a lot more. What so are you telling yourself? What's going on in your brain when you, when you're in getting in? You're just breathing, man. That's what you're doing. You're, 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 you're getting comfortable. You're, you're wanting to make sure you get in up to your neck. That's the most important part uh, that you don't have to dip your head in. And then you're just kind of chilling it there and you're looking around. And sometimes you're actually looking at, at the sun because I got the sun coming into my eyes in that backyard wow. spot. I might have my coffee with me as well. So the first couple of times is brutal. Um, but that fourth or fifth time, you just kind of settle on in and it's good. I love you just, it. You can anticipate because here's the thing. It's back to I have this theory uh, about hot or spicy foods is I think anybody can learn how to be eat spicy foods. I did when I was okay. seven years old. I had this traumatic experience with hot chili oil and I told myself for 37 years I couldn't eat spicy. So I avoided even mild. Basically, I could have mild at Taco Bell. That's it. And I, I'm an adult, not eating anything but my, no, I can't handle <laughs> anything. And then I marry my wife who loves jalapenos. And I'm like, okay, I've got to convert. And I realized the, we tell ourselves these stories about what is true that are complete and utter bullshit. I had told myself for 37 years that I couldn't eat spicy foods. And then I realized 
okay, I'm married to this woman and she's making jalapeno margaritas. I, I got to pull in. Yep. And oh, I actually can handle spicy. And that was a, that was a mental ascent. So like I was making, uh, food I like it because you're going beyond the physiological. You're not feeling that burn anymore. That's, it's kind of crazy right. too, right? Cause that's how much of the burn is actually mental rather than physical. How much am I adding in my imagination to the physiological experience to make it worse into suffering? And I watched, uh, I used to watch the show called hot ones with my children uh, Sean, the host, the guests always ask him, how do you do this? You're always freaking not even bothered by it. And he goes, I learned the pain goes away. So yeah. I don't have to respond the same way every time. Like, oh, my hair is on fire. I'm sweating bullets. I've learned my body can handle it. And the same thing is true of ice baths and virtually anything. The more we prove to our body that we actually can handle, the better our life can be. Because then we can have, we have, we are boundaryless. Yes. We're always yeah. searching for what are our own boundaries. And when we find that, that is a limiting belief that if we don't remove, will forever define us. And if we are connected to source, we learn there really are no boundaries. There really is no spoon. There really yeah. isn't. There's a guy on Instagram. He's absolutely crazy. He'll dip like a ghost pepper in chili oil and he'll go through three or four peppers and you watch him and he, he goes like that. And what ends up happening is because the actual pepper is so hot, it's actually sending the body into a shock as well. And it actually starting to actually, it burns the esophagus. It actually creates uh, actually blisters, believe it or not. Well, ghost pepper is like I, yeah. I don't get that. But he gets a high out of it because the body is putting in that. healing and endorphins. And But my son, he can eat a raw habanero. He can, I mean, you and I would not. I eat can do a habanero now. You can eat a habanero. Yes, yeah, so I have done a habanero. I did a, it was it was cooked. I don't know if that changed anything, but the seeds were in it. Um, and it was a whole one. It was a whole habanero and I ate it. And I remember, so it, we were at a party and they were being served as hors d'oeuvres. And I was like, okay, this is my next step. I've done a jalapeno. I can handle jalapeno, no problem. Let's try a habanero. <laughs> big difference. And so I said, okay, let's put Sean's theory to the test. Okay. And I said, I'm going to see how, I'm going to count how long it takes so I can catalog that. And I ate one and it took seven minutes for the pain to go away. Without water or milk or anything else. You yeah, I didn't have anything. Away. I just sat there sweating like bullets. It was very painful. Did it give you hiccups? Uh, no, I didn't get hiccups. Okay. Um, and after seven minutes, I go, okay, I can handle I, that. I love it. And then I got another one just to prove it. And I did. I proved it to myself because I wanted to show my body. Because that was an actual physical journey that I was trying to overcome. I was trying to overcome spiciness. But I realized we can do that with anything. All we have to do is learn to trust ourselves to handle it. And right, when Jonathan. we do, we remove that boundary in our lives. Here's what I want you to do next. I want you right. to line up um, four of your favorite tequila shots, and I want you to down them each at a time and manifest that alcohol not having any effect on your body. And you I did that last night. I actually did that last night. Last night was Cinco de Mayo and we hosted a party. Okay. I probably, I started noticing I don't want to get drunk because I was a host. I yes. said, I don't want to get drunk. 
and everybody was doing tequila shots. And you still I, wanted to be part of it. You didn't want to be a, a, a like a, a nanny about right. it. You wanted to say, I'm going to be part of this. And I told myself, I'm not getting drunk. And I never did. Now, that's not scientific. But I did tell myself, I'm not going to get drunk. Yeah. I also find that certain um, alcohols, like when I was um, with my friends at President's Club, we were all in in, um, in Orlando and we want, went around every single bar we went to. I had another shot of tequila. And by the end of the night, I must have had six or seven. And they're looking at me and I'm having this kind of conversation. It's like, I think I'm a metabolism better. And I think there's an actually a stimulant quality to certain tequilas. So for whatever reason, I like tequila as much as anything. And I think if you did four shots of scotch or maybe yeah. something else or bourbon, it might not have had the same impact. But I, I like that minute. I liked what you did there. Well, it's also a stimulant. It, it, no, it is. I, I yeah. agree 100%. I yeah. mean, technically alcohol is a depressant, but there's some stimulant. Maybe it's the agave. There's something, there's some chemicals in the, in the, in the tequila that there are, are stimulant properties. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So what are you learning from ice bath? Well, I, I think um, the thing that you're that, that you, the thing that I'm learning is I can that that's that's a challenge. I can do it. I get out of the way. Nothing else is going to be that more challenging. How many times have you done now? Well, I mean, I've been actually more consistent this week. I mean, I, I've had it for like two or three weeks now, but I've actually done it five out of the last six days, if you would. So what I want, I, I think, so it's, are, is the resistance gone? Yeah, the resistance is gone. So yeah, there's like, no fear I, about you like oh, in your gosh. head. Yeah, there's you no say fear. in your head, I don't want to do this. So I will. I would. I would qualify that when it's really cold outside in the morning. Yeah. And I, I've. I, I had a situation about a week or two ago where I was cold too, getting out of bed. Normally I'm warm, and yeah. I didn't do any stretches. And and one of the things that, that people talk about is do the first thing you do in the morning. Others say do your workout and then hop in, and it's good for the recovery. So there, there's two things. The most important thing is getting it done. But one morning I woke up and I was cold yeah. and I went in there and it was really cold. And I hung out there for like three minutes and I, I could not warm myself up. Yeah. One of the things they talk about with the brown fat, which is a subcutaneous fat that helps with the mitochondria and just helps with all overall energy levels. That's one of the side benefits outside of anti-inflammation, flexibility, and you know just uh, general kind of redu- 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 reduction of pain. Mm-hmm. is that you've got this brown fat so I, I, and, and it shreds. So you, you sent me an article by this guy named Brecca who talks about this cold shock protein that happens from the liver mm-hmm. that basically shreds fat when you're in those really cold circumstances. But going back to this particular situation, I come upstairs, <laughs> I hop into bed with my wife. I think I told you about this. And she's like, get away from me. You're like a popsicle. I put on this jacket. I put on this beanie and I'm still in there and I'm freezing. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to replicate that again. I don't know what happened. So um, that's what, what do you think happened? I don't What's know. Kind of, if you step back from in my, in my, my, my core, I think I felt colder that morning than usual. Huh. And so I was walking around and I, I didn't warm myself up properly. So I think a, in a perfect situation is I wake up, I do some stretches, I do my meditation, then I hop in or I'll go to the gym and then I'll come back and then I'll hop in afterwards. So Whatever gets you in there is the most important. This is what I'm telling everybody out there in the world. And by the way, this ice pot is amazing. It's 150 bucks to buy it. Um, it, it keeps stuff cold for a long time. It's a sweet deal. So we can talk. Okay, more so about I'm going to tell you. So one, I have mine in the back of my car. So I have That's to right. set it up today. Okay. How been, long have you had that now? For two weeks? No, I ordered it and I and it was accidentally sent to an, my last address in uh, San Jose. So it's been okay. in San Jose for like 
a week and a half and I haven't picked it up. So I finally picked it up this week yeah. and I've got to set it up. Uh, but I ended up finding out you can find them on Alibaba for 40 bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's all anybody's doing. They are the hottest thing on the market. So all the internet marketers on Instagram are going after the ice baths and that's the hot trend right now. So they're $40 on it. Alibaba and they sell them on Amazon for a hundred bucks. And all they're doing is drop shipping from that plant. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So, well, Hey, this is kind of, you know, what's really funny is you look at it in a positive light. Let's talk about this. This is just yeah. a microcosm of what we're trying to do. Transcendental meditation is super easy. It should be effortless so that everybody can do it. Manifestation should be effortless. Everybody should do it. Ice baths should be, you shouldn't feel guilty or, you, hey, if everybody's doing ice baths, everybody's going to get better. They're going to get healthier. They're going to become more flexible. It, it gets them yeah. to a barrier. Let's welcome the $40. I, um, I, I spent 150 on mine plus a cover. Let's right. welcome more and more people to do it, right? It's cold, yes. right? Let's make it happen. Let's project positive energy into that conversation. Because here's what I would say is I, my friends, I, when I told them I bought one, they're like, oh, you're doing that thing. What's it like? So there's both of those. There's the skepticism, but there's the curiosity. They're all curious yep. because everybody's it talking about is, it's primal. Yes. It's primal. Primary demand. Absolutely. Yes. It's our body is craving this desire to learn how to overcome. And I think that's the, the true value of the ice bath is it's the practice of putting my body into a space where I'm deeply uncomfortable. Yes. And then learn how to handle it. It likes yes. it's the spicy. I ate the habanero so that yes. I could learn I could overcome it. Yes. And I think and that's you look like a badass at parties. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be badass at parties. Yeah. There you go. That that's that, that's ego right there. Let's not talk about that. But you can handle anything, man. That's amazing. Yeah. No, you know what's funny is I've learned that I I am learning to be playful with my ego. Oh, good. I am, I am learning. I can, uh, my ego is, I think that's a healthy way of relating to it. We've got to become friends with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking over. Like I don't, I'm learning that I am in control of my body, not my ego, but my ego still wants to like cause stir shit. It wants to protect me. It's trying to do its job. It has a good intention, but it's got really bad scripting. Yeah. I am the summation of every human being in my histories learning how to survive. I am the outcome of my lineages learning how to survive. Sure. I think we are now in an age of self-actualization and thriving. I think there's too much data and the data all comes to stop worrying you're worrying too much. You're stressing your body out. And that's 90% of your human physiological problems. They're systemic. They're in your body. Let it go. And I think the evidence is now, now that we've gotten to quantum field, which is going to bring science into the conversation of consciousness, it's game over. It's, we're going to, I, this is my manifestation where I'm focusing most of my energy intention and energy is if I am magnetically going to produce what I'm feeling consistently is true in my body, we are going to see 
a profound awakening in human consciousness that I think biblically looks like what's the period of a thousand years called? What's that called? Millennium. Millennium. I think that's what we're moving towards. From a biblical standpoint, I think that's what we're moving towards. And the tribulation is is this period where people are going to have to dramatically let go of their old paradigms that are so disruptive, it's feeling like they're dying. That's what I think we're entering. Because all the pieces are in place, you've got the ability one, you've got the internet, which is a catalog of information. You've got social media, which is a catalog of human experience. You've got, uh, and really the internet is the catalog of the data. And now you've got AI, which is the mind helping you synthesize and organize so that you can create out of that. But in order to truly create, you've got to get over your own bullshit. So you've got to heal yourself. And in order to heal yourself, we now understand scientifically, all it is, is stored negative energy in your body. And there are very easy ways of doing that. One way is doing like I did. Go back and sit with yourself as a however year old and say, guess what? You survived and you can handle it. You can let it go because that moment didn't define you anymore. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going back with myself in 2014 saying, you survived. Your kids are fine. They're they're okay. They're thriving. They're doing really, really well. You yeah. can move on. Yes. And that lets go of all that negative energy because all it was was fear. And if I'm not holding on to that fear, that fear is stored in my body. And when I let it go, I am thriving. And that's what's happening to me. I have more energy than I know what to do with. I actually realize I'm being drawn to working out because I realize my body needs to export it in some way. And I'm yes. doing that by controlling the energy of the room, but I need to get my body more involved. So I'm really, I'm really starting to listen. My, I think my next chapter is this, like I bought my ice bath. Um, I am, but I need to get in physical shape. I have never worked out in my life ever. I think if you find that, I mean, you're talking about um, a whole new level, man, mind, body, and, you know, soul kind of all kind of in conjunction. And I mean, what's really scary is, I mean, we found that, you know, they've already told us that Alzheimer's, the study that they did was all a bunch of BS um, with this particular thing from like five or 15 years ago. I think depression could be cured with exercise, diet, supplements and in meditation I and mean, sunlight and sunlight absolutely that's what, that's what dr cruz talked about i hope right. I, he would be a dream if anybody out there knows dr cruz uh dr james cruz out of, i think he's out of new york or virginia um he was on rick rubin's podcast we would love to have him on uh we'd love we're to not have worthy him. jonathan we are not worthy <laughs> who's your number one guest you want i'm gonna i'm gonna manifest right now i manifest that we're gonna have keanu reeves on this at some point in our career with this podcast, that's my manifestation is we're going to have Keanu Reeves on this podcast. I that's think my dream. Be- if anybody out there knows him, please help us get connected him on this show. I would say that'd be probably an admirable one because not only is he an example of, of, he- of just absolute success and fame, but he's the kind of person that doesn't showboat that he gives away so much money he's he's a, a fabulous human being he's, a, he's an amazing human he's just doesn't get caught up doesn't have any social presence he doesn't have a twitter handle etc and 
that would be like, it would be the apex. It really would be. If we do it, we need to set that one up and videotape it because we need, that would be an epic moment in this podcast. It really sure. would. It would yeah. be an epic moment. It would change everything. So I think that's a good way to end. Uh, what's your manifest? I'd like to manifest, you know, I'd like to manifest the world um, finally kind of getting at peace, right? I, I, one of the things that just oh, yeah. struck me today, and we talked about this before we fired things up, is how broken things seemed yesterday at Cinco de Mayo. A lot of people just wanted to get just um, schnockered and just freaking deconnect with the world. I told you my son um, almost got an accident three times going to work, and he only lives like four miles away from his place because people were just driving crazy. And then I, I heard the repercussions of last night at the gym today. And I, I just think um, I, if we could manifest the world not being so broken, not being so divisive, you, you see every other week or every week a new a shoot, shooter. My wife was affected by the Atlanta shooting this week, Jonathan. She was in Atlanta at a conference. There was a Midtown shooter taken out, a medical facility, uh, shot at least one person and um, injured four, three or four others. And everybody was on lockdown. And she couldn't leave. And I didn't blame her. No, don't don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. Okay. That, you know, that brought it home. Right. In, in terms of not just kind of like there's one in, in, in Nashville or there's one out there in, in, you know, Columbine or there's one in, in Florida. So that's that's my hope. And in, in, in there's ways we can we can make it happen. And it starts with individual individuals overcoming their own fears and tribulations and then communities coming together. And that's what a lot of folks at TM do. They get together and they all pray together and they can, they've actually seen crime go down by getting four or 500 people together to meditate together. And there's just energy that kind of comes back. We need to see that um, at, at scale, you know, in my mind. Well, that's what I see on my walks every night. I think that's the kingdom of God. And I don't think it exists sometime in the future out there after death. I think it happens right near. The kingdom of God is when love reigns. And that can happen now. And I think that is happening. I think that's that I think is the millennium, this restoration of creation that is happening because it's going to get worse, but it's going to get dramatically better because I think we're in an epoch change, both scientifically, astro astrologically, which is what Sean was talking about. Um, oh, yeah. There's definitely, that, there's some. There's yeah. some massive movements going on right, right now. And, and I'm not a huge astrologer. I don't know very much about it at all. Uh, but I do know that what the age of Aquarius, which is a move into the feminine, is happening. The Me Too movement is a direct response of that. So yeah. think good things are happening. And I am exceptionally positive. I'll be the positive one because I think that's going to happen. Absolutely. So... All right, thanks everybody. This has been this has been one of my favorite episodes. I know each one of these we do becomes my new favorite, but I yeah. I love working doing this with you, brother. It's so much fun. Thank you to all of our listeners. We have eight followers now. Awesome. So, yes, uh, I got all on all of the syndicated networks. We got eight followers. Hope you uh, if again if you have a comment, an idea, a thought that you want to share with us, uh, please do uh, post a comment or a uh, review. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us if you can. Any final words, Rich? Just have a great weekend. Make it uh, make it a great one. Wake up and hug, hug your loved ones and, and enjoy the day. All right. Much love, everybody. Take care.